Latin America finally ready to step forward as a burgeoning market for business and trade? Or is it forever doomed by corruption, bureaucracy, and lousy infrastructure? Hi, everybody. I'm Bob Bowman, Managing Editor of Supply Chain Brain, and this is the Supply Chain Brain Podcast. there's no question that Latin America has been plagued by endemic corruption, which poses a huge obstacle to companies looking to make or move product in that market. On top of that, the region suffers from a severely inadequate transportation network across all modes. Then there's the problem of government bureaucracy and restrictions on foreign trade. Put it all together, and you don't have a very promising picture of economic health. And yet, things might be changing at last. A new report by Transport Intelligence examines the factors that impact Latin America's logistics market. It's a clear-eyed view of the many problems that still haunt the region, but it also offers some hope for the future. Joining me today to talk about the report is lead author Kathy Robertson. She explains why a region with so much promise continues to struggle with basic economic and logistical woes. And she offers some tips on how companies can move their products safely and efficiently within a difficult environment. So here is my conversation with Kathy Robertson. Kathy Robertson, welcome to the program. Thank you. You are the lead author of TI's latest report called Latin America Transport and Logistics 2015. In this report, you say, I think I'm quoting you here, you say the region's biggest enemy remains itself. What do you mean by that? Oh, my goodness. This region has such great potential, but it has stumbled economically as well as trying to keep up with its infrastructure. Its infrastructure is still very poor, and investments have been very weak in this as well. Economically, you know, they rode the uh, the boom back in 2010, around that time period, of commodities, raw materials, and such, and mining, and such as that. However, with the collapse of prices on that, on such commodities, they've had a um, a difficult time struggling with this new global economic environment we're in now. Yeah, we heard so much hope because of uh, the idea that these emerging economies were going to come roaring up in, in, in terms of development. Brazil, of course, was one of them in the so-called BRIC countries, but some of the others there was promise too. But I guess that, at least in the short term, has not exactly manifested itself as as was hoped, right? That's correct. And and you would think uh, with them getting the World Cup and the Olympics, that would have created a nice boom for them. However, they struggle to even meet the infrastructure needs for both of those as well. And Argentina seems to just about every 10 years fall into some dire crisis with uh, three uh, with three digit, if not you know, types of percentage wise inflation. And they just seem to be a, a recurring basket case. Oh, my gosh, you are so right. They, I think their biggest 
Well, like I said in the press release, their biggest problem is themselves in the fact that their politics are very inward focused. Almost on the verge of being protectionist. Well, okay, I'll go ahead and say it. They are a protectionist country and they need to open up. And sadly, not really seeing that. And oh my goodness, the opportunity in that country is just immense if they would just open up. Yeah, by the way, uh, is this a report that you do on a regular basis or is this sort of a one off first time thing? Well, the last time we did the report was back in 2011, 2012, and we only looked at South America. And in fact, that was the very first report I did when I first started with uh, with TI. So it's always had a soft spot for me. But this time we decided to include Central America as well as Mexico because of just the changes that have, have been occurring over the past few years with the nearshoring. Uh, the rise of Mexico, basically. I mean, they're taking on Brazil you know, as a potential leader for the Latin America region. Yeah, so it's not an exact comparison with what you did before because you've added those countries. But those countries that you did look at three or four years ago versus now, what, what was the tenor of that report back then? Was it a more upbeat, positive type of thing, or were you making the same points back then? A little bit of both. There was a lot of positive going in to that report because, again, like I mentioned earlier, uh, the region as a whole was, was riding high off commodity prices, raw materials such as the mining, uh, copper and chile, and, and such as that. They were really benefiting a lot from that, mostly because of China's uh, demand for these goods. However, now that we've seen uh, China kind of in an economic slump, that demand has declined, and as a result, Brazil and the rest of the countries in South America are, are feeling those effects. But similar today, infrastructure was a big problem then, and there were a lot of plans to invest, and I think a lot of that fell through. Well, there's four main points that you – or four four different trends that you're looking at here, corruption, violence, infrastructure, and government bureaucracy, and I'd like to take those one by one. Let's start with corruption because that is an endemic problem in Latin America as long as, as, long as these countries have been countries. Tell me a little bit about the state of that. What form does the corruption take and just how how bad an impact does that have on keeping these countries down? That's a good question. Uh, I, I think it's kind of inherent in in the society in so many ways. Uh, the corruption can be seen in a lot of the governments, and the, you know who you know, passing of a buck, you know, to those that you know, family members, and such as that. And it's just so ingrained in so many of the in, of the governments there that it's difficult for international companies going in. Uh, to compete, no, or to even work with those types of governments, those types of operations. And you've seen some actually pull out because of that. I mean, a um, lot of cronyism, a lot of bribes still, uh, yeah, still exist, yeah. things like that. Exactly. Uh, you know, I mean, bribery, like going through customs, there's a lot of that. There's, there's still a lot of problems with that, particularly in Brazil. 
Yeah, you know, Mexico for many years was it was almost a cliche that that bribes were a huge part of doing business in Mexico. The term mordida uh, was bandied about quite a bit as as sort of one of the realities of doing business there. I wonder if Mexico itself has gotten any better. Do you have a sense of that? You know, I, I don't really know to be honest with you, but the government is trying its best and, and to open up further and to crack down more on on problems such as this. They see the need to diversify themselves away from the U.S. because they're so dependent on trade with us. I mean, what is it, like over 80% of their trade is still with the U.S. But yet what's interesting is they've got over 30 or 40 free trade agreements with countries around the world. So I think they're trying to place themselves up on that global stage and cut down on this um, corruption and, and the bribery and such. And I think Brazil is trying to work on that as well. I haven't heard anything lately of how that's going, but Brazil does know they've got a problem and they need to fix it. All right. What about violence? We do hear a lot about <laughs> drug violence, and I guess is, that is the main driver behind the incidents of violence we hear about in Central and South America. Just how prevalent is it? How serious is it? How much should we really pay attention to that? And how should business worry about even like putting people down there uh, as expats? Oh, boy, that's that's good. I mean, it's it's there, but it's also there in Asia. It's also there in Africa. And it's one of those things, sadly, when you set your supply chain plan into place, you're going to have to try your best uh, to mitigate those risks. I mean, there's political guerrillas in Colombia, for example, that have been fighting with the government for years and years. A lot of um, companies have located their offices as far away from that particular part of the country as possible, for example. Uh, but still, it's there, and just got to have some type of a plan. This is, this is one of those areas where you wonder if sometimes the headlines get a little blown out of proportion or whether it's really as bad as it appears to be. Yeah, you, know, you got a point there, can, yeah. How you can qualify that. Uh, but, you know, we hear like Colombia, for instance, we hear is basically just a, a narco-controlled uh, economy, and I'm not sure that's fair or, or accurate, but certainly it's a huge part of that country and, and other countries as well. I agree with you. I agree. And then you've got problems going on in Ecuador, similar uh, problems in Ecuador. However, their economies, I wouldn't say, are, are like ultimately thriving, for example, but they're doing decent. There's manufacturing moving into these areas. Uh, Colombia is, is benefiting a great deal off of the 2012 free trade agreement it made with the U.S. And so there's a lot of agricultural uh, trade going on between the two countries, as well as apparel manufacturing. So there's there's more to the countries than yeah that perception of the of the drug persona. Infrastructure, which you mentioned already, is always a huge factor in making supply chains work or not work. Tell me a little bit about where the uh, worst. Weakest links are in infrastructure, what types of modes are in, are in worst condition, and where is it in worst condition? I think some of the best examples can be seen and can be found in Brazil. Brazil trade is done mostly by ocean, 
the, the ports, trying to get to the ports can be difficult a lot of times. A lot of these roads are still not paved, and you'll have trucks backed up for miles upon miles to get to the ports. They have issues with floods, you know, droughts, and then the floods that will wash away these roads. And the rail system is also very poor. They're trying to build up the rail, but the money, the investment's not there, and it's still primarily bulk-related, agricultural type versus the containers. When it comes to rail, the sense I get that Mexico is the only country and region that has any real presence of of rail for commercial freight. Right. I think there's probably the most adequate, um, yeah, uh, versus the rest of the the region. Yes, you're correct, because Argentina, Chile, they all have similar issues with the rail networks uh, being very antiquated. They haven't kept up with the investments. And they're doing a lot of this public-private investments as, as much as possible. Yeah, this sounds like there's some good news in Colombia. You say they have invested in ports and airports, uh, in you know, for transshipment types of opportunities. Yeah, they are hoping to benefit off the expansion of the Panama Canal, and they've uh, and plus the fact I think they're what the third largest uh, exporter of flowers for the world. And as such, they've been expanding their port, well, their airport, by building out the warehousing facility, the temperature-controlled facility, to house these uh, flowers before uh, sending them off to primarily the Miami airport. Yeah, and I and I would assume the Panama Canal, of course, the widening, the the additional locks of the Panama Canal will have a huge impact, or should have a huge impact. On that yeah, well, that's that's what they're hoping for. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, they they are expanding their port uh, there as well. Do you think the uh, so-called Nicaraguan canal is a pipe dream, or is it actually something that might happen? <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Now, that's almost a trick question. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, not meant to be, uh, but no one knows the answer to that at this point. No, they don't. Um, no, but... they don't. And I, th- I think that's that's been the, pro- the I wouldn't say a problem, but yeah, that's been like the $64,000 question. Um, I'm not really sure, to be honest with you. I'd like to think that it is really going to go through, but I, I don't know. I really don't know. Yeah, so much. I think I'll just be like everyone else and just sit back and wait. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So, government bureaucracy, which is just stubbornly there all the time, how bad is it and how much of a damper does it serve in terms of keeping down economic development and transportation and supply chain? Well, I think the biggest problem is the fact that when a government limits imports and tries to encourage more exports. That was one of the problems that's been facing Argentina and Brazil is that the imports were, that imbalance was growing and it was at the expense of the manufacturing um, industries within those two countries. It was hurting them domestically. So the government uh, issued um, some interesting, you know, various regulations to, to limit the growth of imports. 
But at the same time, that's resulted in higher cost for consumers. So, uh, I believe an electronic manufacturer in particular, I, I can't remember uh, the name, uh, which one it was, but he, they actually pulled out of Brazil as a result of these um, stringent regulations. I believe yeah. you're supposed to be able to, um, you have to manufacture like something like 60% of your goods in the country in order to sell within Brazil. Yeah, Brazil really has been the poster child for bureaucracy. Uh, I wonder, is has it gotten any better? Has have any of those rules been relaxed to any extent, or is it just still uh, still a nightmare for international I think traders? I, I think it's still a nightmare. But like I mentioned, I, I think Brazil is finally waking up and realizing that they need to do something. And there's been calls to... To try to ease up on these regulations and encourage more of a, a balanced approach, so to speak. You know, in terms of something that's just happened recently, I, I doubt very much that it factored into your report a lot, but I'm just wondering what you're feeling is about Cuba. What impact might be kind of the relaxing of, of restrictions between the U.S. and Cuba? What impact might that have on regional development? Any well, it would idea? definitely make for a nice transshipment location, wouldn't it? Kind of a um, partner with the Port of Miami, so to speak. There's some great opportunities for Cuba. And I believe we do have, we do mention Cuba in the report. I think words, you know, it was just breaking at the time we were putting the report together about the thawing of uh, the U.S.-Cuba relationship. So uh, I really think it's going to make for some nice, it could make for a nice transshipment hub um, and, you know, possibly other other uh, items to look at as well. I guess the question there is when. Yeah, you know, I don't, that's It's true. not, not going to happen overnight, it would seem. No, it doesn't sound like it. Yeah. Now, you mentioned that China's economy has been down, uh, or at least not growing as much as it had been before, and that has been having an impact on raw materials, sales, and things like that in Latin America. But at the same time, we hear about supposedly the reshoring of manufacturing from China because of raising wage rates in China back to the Western Hemisphere. And a lot of manufacturing supposedly is coming back maybe to Latin America. And I'm wondering if you've seen any signs of that yet, if that has had an impact on economic development and transportation logistics in Latin America yet, or do you expect it to be? Well, we certainly have seen it uh, going on in Mexico, that's for sure, and haven't really seen it yet take off in South America, but the whole regionalization trend is occurring, and I keep thinking it's going gonna, it's gonna to hit South America. I believe we're seeing some of it in Central America, uh, you know, south of Mexico, as in places such as Costa Rica. Uh, that's where Procter & Gamble has been organizing a lot of their uh, Latin American operations at. And also a lot of medical device manufacturing is moving into Costa Rica as well. And I think all of that is going to benefit as the Panama Canal widens as well. And you're going to see more of a um, probably an expansion of the rail system connecting from Panama up into Mexico on into the U.S., there's a lot of possibilities there, and which ultimately I would hope would feed into South America. 
to the extent we see economic development in Latin America in the years ahead, do you see it as focusing primarily on manufacturing to serve consumer markets in the United States and other developed parts of the world? Or do you see manufacturing growing in Latin America to feed its own growing consumer market, the emergence or the strengthening of middle-class buyers within Latin America that would form domestic demand? I think you'll see both. South America, well, Brazil has been in the Agility Emerging Markets uh, Logistics Index, which we've helped compile for a number of years. They've been in the top 10 for years and years. And again, that opportunity, that growth of their middle class, uh, they have a younger population. The domestic demand is growing uh, for, for goods, such as smartphones and um, computers and such as that. So you're going to keep seeing that demand, much like any other emerging market. It's going to grow in like Brazil, Argentina, Chile, and the rest of South America. But at the same time, the regionalization trend, the nearshoring and such, is going to keep growing as well. And that's going to help feed into the U.S. as well. What tips might you have for companies that would like to do business there or would like to, for that matter, move product, because uh, this is a transport and logistics type of report we're talking about, to improve the movement of product, to protect their product moving through Latin American countries? Do you have any advice for them as to what they might do? Uh, well, they need to do their homework and do a lot of research and know the country before they step into it. Um, there are so many regulations and requirements that uh, they really need to partner with a, a strong logistics provider that's knowledgeable, that has experience in those particular countries, either one or what have you, whichever ones they're interested in expanding into. And what's neat about the report is that we do profile not only international provider, logistics providers, but some of the domestic providers as well. So it kind of gives you a taste of who's doing what down there. Now that you've created this report that incorporates not just Mexico uh, and, and, and uh, South America, but also other parts of Central America, are you going to stay on this beat, so to speak? Uh, can we expect another report from TI uh, or regular reports from TI on this region? I sure hope so. <laughs> it's a region that, um, like I said, it really needs to, I think folks really need to keep an eye on. Um, there's always been such a great focus on Asia being the next place to, uh, to invest in, or Africa. But I sincerely think South America, uh, Latin America for that matter, should be considered as well, particularly as regionalization just continues to grow. We do keep up with the region through our portal that we have. So it's always being updated with the latest information on the region. So despite these negative trends that you've described in this report, ultimately, is the takeaway, your, your ultimate feeling about the region, one of hope after all? Or do you feel like there are some really difficult problems ahead that's going to, going to continue to, to kind of bedevil the region in terms of transport <laughs> and logistics in years to come? I'm hopeful. I am really hopeful for the region. I've always been very positive about it. But like any other emerging market, there's going to be issues to resolve. I mean, going into a region such as Latin America is not for everyone. That's for sure. Like I said, you've got to do your homework. 
but I think the benefits will outweigh the negative. And I also believe that the governments, particularly Brazil, realizes that they've got to do something, and they will, but it's not going to happen overnight, that's for sure. The report is Latin America Transport and Logistics 2015. Uh, We'll link to that report in the show notes to this episode. Kathy Robertson, I really want to thank you for helping us see, uh, understand what some of the contents of the report are and get a really interesting and forward-looking view into Latin America transport and logistics. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. That was my conversation with Kathy Robertson of Transport Intelligence, talking about the problems and promise of logistics in Latin America. We're online at www.supplychainbrain.com, where we post a new episode of this podcast for streaming or downloading every Friday. You can also read my Think Tank blog, watch thousands of videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter, at SCBrain. You can also download or subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Got any comments or suggestions on this or any episode? Email me at rbowman at supplychainbrain.com. See you next time.